Nikki and I are both widows who found ourselves on the same widow Facebook support group. When there was a thread where people were posting about where they are from, to our surprise, we both lived right here in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I mean, <laughs> what are the odds? We immediately friended one another and started chatting. After a couple misconnections, we were finally able to meet up. Being in the presence of another widow, another woman who has been down the same path as you is powerful. We shared our stories without shame. We connected on a level others just can't. And as our friendship grew, we opened up even more. To say that I adore Nikki is an understatement. She is such a light. She is so kind and bold and brash. She is an amazing mother. She is someone who I can look up to as she is almost six years down the road from her husband's death. She offers so much wisdom and understanding. I can talk to her because she gets it. She just simply gets it. This is Nikki's second time to grace the podcast. In the I Love You episode, she shared her first and last I Love Yous with her husband, Philip, which coincidentally are very similar to mine and Albert's. Just another thing we have in common. In this episode, Nikki will tell her story, the good, the inspiring, the hardships, the loss. Listen in and take heart in her beautiful words. Her honesty is incredibly refreshing and eye-opening. Am I confused? Yes. Is this going to get weird? It already has. Am I scared? Shitless. Let's go down the widow rabbit hole together. Thank you for listening. This is how I got back to my childhood bedroom. You there? Yeah, hey. Hey, <laughs> this is so wild. I know, it's really crazy how like pretty simple it is um uh, yeah That's, that blows my mind I mean I am not computer or anything literate unless it's dental field so I can't believe this is even happening I know same with me I've like Albert used to describe me as I was as being made of magnets because anytime yeah. I got any near any technology it would just explode me so- too it was like I had bad mojo Yes, like, yes, exactly. It was fine. He walked in the room. I'm like, oh, okay. That's great. I know. Oh, okay. <sighs> My name is Nikki. I'm a mom, a daughter, a granddaughter, a sister, an aunt, a widow. I met my husband, Philip. Um, we both worked for a company, retail company, and we both connected, even though he was about nine years older than me, we had a lot in common and eighties and nineties growing up. We had a lot in common with music and what we wanted to do with our lives and children and just our entire future and being, it was crazy because I had been with my college boyfriend for four years and basically broke up with him to start dating Philip, even though I knew my boyfriend in college at the time was, we were not going anywhere. It wasn't happening. So this was perfect timing meeting Philip, but things happened so quickly within a matter of a couple of months, I moved my whole life to another state, moved in with a man I barely knew. It was exciting. It was 
it was unbelievable what was happening. And for the first time in my life, I'm with a man, not a boy, not somebody <laughs> that was in high school or college, or this was a man and he was been married before and he knew things he'd seen the world. So as time went on, we got married. We decided not to have a family right away because he had been sick off and on for a few years and we went through many misdiagnoses. And at one point we had to decide it was now or never whether we were going to have children or not. So we threw caution to the wind and we had two beautiful boys. It was when Philip, when Brody was born, only a few hours after he was born, we got the call from Philip's doctor that he had been diagnosed with cancer, which was devastating. But at the same time, finally, we felt like we had answers and that this really wasn't a misdiagnosis. Timing definitely wasn't perfect because I had just had a child. I had a toddler at home and now I was going to have to take care of a cancer patient and try to hold a full-time job and no family. So this was going to be a bit much. It was very difficult for many years. Philip battled. Uh, There was one cancer, which was Hodgkin's lymphoma. Then we found a second cancer after he wasn't getting better, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So we were assured that the cancer treatment that we were having, which was extremely harsh, that most people couldn't even get through. But because Philip was strong, he had been healthy otherwise, he should be able to handle this. It was like shooting a bazooka at a mosquito. It should have gotten rid of everything. But I'm on here talking to you, so obviously that wasn't the case. Yeah. Things got worse and worse before they got better. And he was in remission for about a year. Through the remission, there were many different attempts of suicide. The last attempt that he did when we lived in North Carolina was the last straw for me because I knew that the children were home and he intended to do this at the worst possible time. Oh my goodness. And I, as a mother, had to protect my children. Although they were very little, they still knew that something was going on with daddy. So the suicide attempts, the yelling, the everything about him being exacerbated because he was in a depression. Technically he was in remission. I feel like he still had cancer at that point. He wasn't cleared, even though all the tests said that he was, I feel like I needed to, take my children out of that situation. So me and Philip were not together for quite a few months before his passing about four months. They still saw their father. In fact, the three weeks before his passing of which we had no idea that was going to even happen. He saw the boys and spent time with them. And although he was in the hospital, it was like second nature to them. They were so used to seeing their father in and out of the hospital all their little lives. So this was normal.
As a mom and a wife and everything else you are supposed to be during times of crisis, you can truly start to lose yourself. You are overwhelmed, you are burnt out, and Nikki talks about this so openly and genuinely. It can be hard to admit that you didn't have the perfect marriage. We all want to be that widow who had this idealistic life of the adoring husband, the beautiful children, and the happy vacations to Disney World, that Facebook family everyone rolls their eyes at. But the reality is, like Nikki states, no marriage is perfect. It just isn't. It is okay to admit your loved one's faults and the hardships you faced. It only just makes you more human. This is something Nikki and I have talked about candidly, and she does it so beautifully here. His family was very hard on me. They thought I was abandoning Philip. What they didn't understand is that I was saving my children. I was saving my sanity. Philip and I had been going to a therapist for years. He stopped going because he didn't believe in it. And he, I think, gave up on our marriage, which is fine. Focus on you. But I've got to focus on our kids because somebody has to. Yeah. Marriage is hard always for any relationship you have. I don't care who you talk to. Their marriage is not perfect. And ours was extreme highs and extreme lows even before the cancer. So when the cancer came, it was a hundred times worse. So removing the boys, I don't feel was ever a bad decision. I just wish that they had had more time with their father, like anyone would feel. Time passed very quickly when we found out that the cancer had come back. He was supposed to be in remission. Why was this happening? Why was he now on breathing treatments? Why was he now having feeding through an IV, of which at multiple times, during his cancer treatment, I was his nurse and had to change all those lines and make sure he was eating. Like I said, along with trying to hold down a full-time job and take care of the boys, it was enough to make somebody literally lose their mind. And poor Philip, absolutely. He was going through all of this. I wouldn't want cancer. I wouldn't want to be destroyed inside mentally and physically, but nobody was saying anything about what I was going through and trying to hold it together. That's why I still saw a therapist. And it was actually the therapist that was showing me that I was losing it and I needed an out. So my out was, we can't be together at this point. Philip had decided to move two states away where his family was, which was ridiculous, but talk about not being together. You couldn't be much further than that. It was a decision that he made and he made alone. So it was very difficult to see him and for the boys to see him. Although it was difficult, we still talked every single day. He talked to the boys. I talked to him. Once we found out the cancer had started coming back, it moved extremely quickly. I'll never forget the phone call that I got. It was Black Friday. I had already decided we were going to make another trip down to South Carolina to see him. And his brother had called me and he said, we found out it is the cancer. It's gotten worse. You need to come immediately. So I grabbed my stuff, 
My parents wanted to go with me, which is wonderful because I don't know how I could have done that alone. And we drove all through the night so I could arrive at two o'clock in the morning and I wanted to go straight to the hospital. When I got there, Philip wasn't talking. He was almost in a coma. I had grabbed some of our scrapbooks and I decided I'm gonna talk to him. No matter if he comes out of this or not, I'm gonna go through this and our whole life with him because I wanna remember this. So I went through from the moment we met all the way up to pretty much that point I relived pictures, moments, memories, feelings, everything, the good and the bad. And I held his hands and he was, he was still. Unfortunately, I needed to go so I could get some sleep and be there the next morning. And I went to the hotel just to have a few hours and freshen up. And I was back there early in the morning before anybody got in there. It was in the morning that I able to have I was able to have some type of communication with him. I barely saw his eyes open. He did squeeze my hand and tears were running down his face. I knew this was it for Philip. He wasn't coming back. He wasn't recovering from this. The cancer had just been too strong for him. He had been an amazing fighter through all of this. So I decided to tell him quietly and alone that it was okay to go, that me and the boys will be okay, but that he has to do something for me. He has to watch over us. He has to be there for us every step of the way. And he is here with us today, I know that. So as all of us started pouring into the room, his family too, my parents were able to say goodbye to him. Other people were too. He could not communicate. As he was taking his last breaths and as his heart beat for the last time, I pushed his family away and I climbed in the bed with him and lay next to him as his heart beat for the last time. I spent a little bit of time alone with him and then I went into the waiting room for intensive care grabbed a pillow and kept screaming in it and I have no idea how long I screamed I just kept screaming Nikki, after enduring such a tragic loss on so many levels, now is faced with figuring out the funeral arrangements and navigating family drama. As if the death isn't hard enough and emotions aren't already running high, let's add shame, guilt, and blame into the mix. During a time when you would expect families to come together, they more often than not start the blame game. 
They are so blinded by grief and occasionally hatred that they try and find something or someone to blame for the death of their loved one. Nikki knows this all too well. So it was time to come out and figure out the funeral arrangements and deal with his family. His family was irritated at me that I hadn't brought them to see their dad on his deathbed, which I was never going to do at three and four years old. I wanted them to have a good memory of their father. So we fast forward to his funeral a week later, made the trip all the way back down there. I let his family be involved in pretty much everything. I let them take over because I knew that they needed that closure. They needed that. I knew that Philip didn't want a funeral. I knew that Philip wanted his favorite band at a bar and everybody to reminisce and have fun. But I gave his family what he wanted, what they wanted. The one thing I did do for the funeral, which I know Philip wanted, was a kiss urn. So I'll be darned if you can't go on eBay and find it. And I did. He at least has that. I know we've talked about the urn stuff before. Which is crazy to me that we have another thing in common. Like that is the most random thing ever. I mean, (laughs) that's not never something you hear about. I went online and bought an urn. Um, (laughs) Like I never thought you could go online and buy an urn. And why not? Exactly. (laughs) But (sighs) anyways, so the, the funeral was definitely not what I expected. His best friend was not asked to speak, but a man that he knew in high school and wasn't there for me and Philip during our marriage, the birth of our children, the cancer for Philip, but became a friend of his again the last couple months of his life and is a pastor all of a sudden, decided that they were going to let him speak. And I'll give you guys the short version of it. It was horrible and I was completely set up I had a bad feeling about this and so did his best friend the night before the funeral his best friend called me and said I don't think you should go he said I haven't heard anything it's just a feeling and I said I'm already here I'm gonna go his family said everything was fine so I'm gonna go even though they were mad at me that I didn't bring my kids yet again to something that would have completely damaged them and they wouldn't have understood because Philip was cremated anyway. They would ask, where is daddy? How come I can't see him? This doesn't make sense. So yet again, I'm shielding my kids from his crazy family. The funeral was a Jerry Springer show. And I walked out in the middle of it, grabbed my parents, the doors closed, and I screamed to get that pastor off the pew. We left. Two people came out. One wasn't even blood related and couldn't believe what was going on and was on my side. 
this was something that I knew I would never really recover from that they totally trashed his funeral and made it into something they wanted me to be evil and me, I was the bad guy. So we weren't together for the past couple months of his life, but never mind the 13 years that I was together with him. They had no understanding wow. of what I was going through, what Philip went through, and by far what my boys were going through and what was going to happen to all of us. I have very little support from his family and I try not to talk to them, even though throughout the years they've reached out and I've only reached out to a few. I will never forgive them for what they did. I'd like to think that Philip was up there saying, this is ridiculous. I don't want any of this. I want everybody to be happy. The night of Philip's funeral, when I came back home, I was in my house all alone. I'm never in my house all alone. I always have my children, but they were at my sister-in-law's. We didn't know what time we would be back. It was then in the quiet that I heard Philip call my name. No, I wasn't going crazy, wasn't hallucinating. He said my name for the last time. He wanted me to know that he was with me. He was with us. And I got that loud and clear. There isn't a day go by that I don't think of him. There isn't a week that doesn't go by that I don't cry about it. That our family was ripped apart by cancer and now forever in death. I get mad sometimes, so angry at Philip for leaving, for leaving me raising these boys to become men. The fact that they will never have their father again. I'm not saying I won't remarry. I'm not saying I don't have wonderful men in their lives, but it is not the same and it will never be the same. I did not marry Philip for this to happen. I did not have kids for this to happen, but here we are. I didn't grow up as a little, be a little girl and think, I'm going to grow up and marry a man and he's going to have cancer and he's going to die and I'm going to be left alone. I know Philip watches over us. He watches over us every day and we need it now more than ever. And I fight with myself on a daily basis. Am I doing the right thing? Am I a good mom? What would Philip do in this case? One of the hardest things that I deal with is doing things alone. It's solo. You're a solo parent. And it's not that my family can't help. It's not that I need a man and he can help and he can be a wonderful part of our life. It's not it. It's not the same. You don't know what we go through. You don't know how far the boys have come. I get mad at the milestones. I get mad the first time JR read a book. I was blown away and there was nobody here. 
to experience that with me. I put them on the bus for the first time. They're not with me anymore. This is a big step. Nobody's here. All these firsts. Philip's never going to see them graduate. Never going to see them have somebody wonderful in their life. Never going to see them have their own kids. And I don't get to experience that with him. And it's not fair. I get angry. I get sad. Over the years, it has gotten less and less anger and sadness. But it's always with you. It always stays with you. And it always will. It's not something that ever goes away. You just have to learn to live with it. Nikki is an incredible mother, and her love for her boys is astounding. She is constantly running them around and taking them to activities and appointments, all the while being present for them. While being a solo parent, which is a phrase I learned from her, can be daunting, she shows it can be done. That it can be done with grace, patience, and a fortitude unlike no other. Nikki is a force of a mother, and it comes out so clearly in these next passages, along with my own personal knowledge of her amazingness. I have to learn to hear the hard things from my boys. Daddy got sick. What happens when you get sick and you die? What's going to happen to us? Why did God take daddy? He didn't God know that I needed daddy. You say that God needed him and he's an angel, but God knows I need him. And it's not fair. How do you say that to a child? How do you explain this to a child? You really can't. You just hold them as they cry themselves to sleep. And you try to find joy in everyday things. And you talk about, we talk about daddy all the time, all the positives. They will not know the negatives that happened in our relationship. I hold him up high because that's what I want the boys to remember. Not that he was perfect, but that he loved them so much. And he was so happy to be a father. He knew back then that he would not live to see the boys graduate. And this was before the cancer. He knew something was wrong. But he will be. He will be with us. He's with us now. All of this is just... A process. Every day is new challenges. There's new perspectives. There's new light. This is a process between me and my boys. I call us three peas in a pod. And no matter who comes and goes out of our life, we will always be the three peas in a pod. We will go through all of this good and bad and different for the rest of our lives.
when we share, we open up a world of possibilities for not only ourselves, but for others. Sharing our love, triumphs, losses, failures, embarrassments, our lives can only have positive impacts. Nikki's story is unique and relatable all at the same time. When you meet someone and you truly listen, you find that you have so much in common, even if you are on the surface so very different. That is what Nikki and I have come to learn about each other. We have many parts of our stories that are alike and so many parts of ourselves that are alike. We are unlikely friends brought together by a common thread. We all have a common thread deep within us if we only reach out and seek it. I can only hope that we can help each other. I would love to hear from you, whether it be questions, comments, your own personal stories, or topics you would like to hear discussed. Please visit anchor.fm slash brianna-simpson and click on the send voice message button. On my private Facebook page entitled the same as the podcast, I share exclusives on upcoming episodes, guests, and a special Spotify playlist updated every week with songs that are inspired by each episode. I'm Brianna your friendly, quirky, next-door widow. Thank you for listening. This is How I Got Back to My Childhood Bedroom.